it's important for us to be out of our bubble as a team and we want to grow and develop all together. And we understand that TEDx Cave is all about our community. And it's super fun. It's such a concentration of ideas and energy. Hello, TEDx organizers. I'm Salome Hoisel, head of TEDx, and this is Solving for X, our podcast for the TEDx community. I'm here with Yulia Taktorova, who's the program curator of TEDx Kyiv in Ukraine. With the deep investment of their local community, Yulia and her team have built a powerful platform for unique and relevant Ukrainian ideas to be spread globally. In this episode, Yulia and I talk about fresh and exciting ways to keep your community involved in your organizing throughout the year. Let's get started. Hi, Yulia. Welcome to Solving for X, and thank you for being our guest today. Thanks for having me. So to begin, can you tell us about Kyiv in Ukraine and the TEDx Kyiv event? Sure. Kyiv is the capital city of Ukraine, and it's an amazing place with a sense of history, with strong desire for a great future. And uh, TEDx Kyiv started over 11 years ago. The team has organized, I think, over 28 local events and prepared more than 200 talks that gained over 7 million views online. Wow, that is incredible. I mean, what an impact this event has had. Congratulations. Thank you. Your team has built a strong community, I know, around your event as well. So tell us a little bit about the audience of TEDx Kiev. Uh, basically, we lean entrepreneurs, uh, civil society activists, students, scientists, representatives of governmental bodies. I'm talking about events, TEDx Kiev events. At the same time, when we started to broadcast the talks on television, We've managed to diversify the audience greatly and reach all corners of Ukraine, including rural citizens. And um, this remains one of our ultimate goals to ensure that ideas were spreading available for as many Ukrainians as possible. That's wonderful. You are the program curator of TEDx Kiev since 2014. Tell us what this role entails. What does a program curator do? Uh, you know, in brief, I oversee the program of our events and together with the curation team, we select and work with potential speakers, making sure the final speeches match all TED standards and that they actually uh, are TEDx talks. And normally we start working with the potential speakers five, six months prior to the event. We know that the TEDx Kiev team really believes in involving your local community in decisions for the event. We heard that your team shared a poll with your community this year about whether or not to hold your event. Tell us a little bit more about this initiative and why you decided to involve your community. Of course, uh, we realized that we do it all for the community and for Ukraine. So we try to involve the community as much as we can. And one of the recent questions the team posed to the community was to do or not to do the uh, in-person event in, in 2021. Because we all understand that the current reality differs from the pre-pandemic world and we want to act in a responsible way. And we know that we are watched by other people, by other organizations. So we want to be a role model as a team. And we wanted to learn what the community thought about it. The last event was in 2019. And last year, we intentionally decided not to hold an event because we felt that the community was fatigued from online events, uh, no matter how creative they were. And honestly speaking, 
we as individuals share that attitude too. So uh, for this year, TEDxKey wanted to think about the possibility of hosting an in-person event and we still consider it. Of course, with all the safety guidelines in mind, but we realize that there are external factors connected to the pandemic that might affect uh, our plans. And we learned how it is to be flexible. And apart from that, TEDxKiev engages the community at the stage of speaker selection too. There is a section on the website that allows the audience to nominate a potential speaker by providing information about him or her, about the potential idea, so we use it as an opportunity to see what people want and collect qualitative feedback. And so on the on the survey on whether or not to hold your event this year in person, what did you hear back from your community? The, um, the ideas are different because the attitude is different. Some people want to have the in-person event because they believe that the value of sharing ideas lies in having not just the the idea itself, but also experiencing um, experiencing something that is connected to a wider network, something that is connected to other people's ideas. Other people think, on the other hand, that it is too risky and nobody can predict uh, what could happen, for instance, by the end of the year. And keeping all this feedback in mind will be considering of, of how to act with the potential in-person events. Right, right. We've, we've seen this kind of worldwide, I think, the impact that, you know, COVID has had on TEDx events and, and their communities. Um, but hoping for a better rest of 2021 and 2022. Exactly. <laughs> so your team also has a strong focus on bringing your community into other aspects of your event, like the curation of speakers, the nomination form that you have on the site, um, as one of the ways that you engage your community to bring in your speakers. Another example is your Brain Trust program. Can you tell us a bit more about this initiative? Um, Brain Trust program is an initiative for the TEDx community at large. And uh, it is a series where previous speakers and other multiple stakeholders meet to talk about their shared interest and passion for the TEDx program. And uh, what is great about that uh, it's an example of this proactive curation uh, versus this reactive one, like sending out a form. And there is a lot of integrity and innovation in the process. This series link the community to dream together about next events, to discuss which topics are key and timely for Ukraine and globally, and it's one of my favorite types of activities, to be honest, because there is such a concentration of talent and bright ideas from this community. Seriously, this session helped shape up the upcoming TEDx Kiev agenda. They can be held online and offline. And of course, in the pre-pandemic world, we gathered in, in uh, places relevant to our speakers. For instance, we met in a coffee house owned by one of our speakers here in Kiev. And um, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, last time, it was in March 2020. We were hosted by a modern Ukrainian cuisine restaurant owned by another speaker, uh, as we had two times more participants than uh, before. And of course, it can be conducted online as well. It definitely helps to develop the community and link interesting people with TEDxKiev 
and uh, one another for greater possible cooperation and co-creation. That's great. So now take us into the room for your brain trust. Who exactly is in the room? Who is in your brain trust? Okay, uh, so imagine a place where people meet to dream about something cool together. Different people with different backgrounds, with different experiences, knowledge, but with shared values and with shared vision. They're mainly our previous speakers, our current and previous team members, our partners, and usually it's around 25, 30 people. We share personal updates, discuss trends, discuss ideas, speak about the direction we want to go in, and then start thinking about who can be speakers and why something is important or is more important than something else. And it's done in an absolutely informal manner. And it can be accompanied with a small masterclass, for instance, on Ukrainian cuisine or coffee culture or something else. And it's great that speakers have been through it and they can bring the knowledge from their own experience and we can do something bigger together. And so you hold brain trust meetings um, all throughout the year, or is it just a few months before the event? How does it all come together? So normally we do it once a year. Before we start planning our event and before we start thinking about the topic of the event, where we want to go, what we want to spotlight. So it's an event that precedes all the other activities that are connected to the TEDxCave event. Got it. Now walk us through, how do you implement the ideas from that brain trust meeting into the plans for your actual event? The brain trust is a strategic step, definitely. For instance, one of the key topics mentioned by our brain trust participants was combating disinformation and a guide on media literacy for the general public. A bit later, we saw similar requests collected from the wider audience through the website. And it means we are on the same wavelengths with our community. But to learn it, we need to be out of our personal bubbles. And the Brain Trust helps with that. And tell us why your team developed the Brain Trust idea. Was it to keep your community connected? It's important for us to be out of our bubble as a team. And we want to grow and develop all together. And we understand that TEDxCave is all about our community. And it's super fun. It's such a concentration of ideas and energy. I love it. So another way your, your team keeps your community engaged and invested throughout the year is your e-zine. Tell us a little bit more about that. The e-zine, uh, this is basically an online magazine of ideas that we created as a team. And these ideas come from our community and, and beyond. And these ideas are based on TEDx Talks from Kyiv, from Ukraine specifically. Before launching the e-zine, we had a strategic session about our plans regarding the content and what we wanted to spotlight with the help of the magazine. We had to double our team in order to create it. And there is a, a whole sub-team that works on it because we consider it a serious TEDx Kyiv project and we ensure that articles are in line with what we plan to share at the next event, with all the trends, with the innovations. And um, we created it in response to COVID-19. 
but we had an idea of the online magazine uh, for a couple of years. And with all in-person activities and ambitious plans, we didn't have time to fulfill it until the pandemic. Uh, we created it because we always wanted to maintain the connection with the audiences after our events and because we wanted to share ideas worth spreading in multiple formats. For example, one of our speakers had a great talk a couple of years ago about how good quality food can improve the lives of Ukrainians. And later we learned that uh, he had the mission to have borscht, a traditional Ukrainian beet soup, uh, declared by UNESCO um, an intangible cultural heritage of Ukraine. This is a completely different idea, uh, but it was widely appreciated by our audience and um, with this idea, we followed up uh, with our speaker and had this interview online. So it's a separate product and we take it seriously because it helps share ideas worth spreading, both Ukrainian and global. And in as another example here would be that, um, for instance, for International Women's Day, we asked our speakers to share their ideas about the necessity of combating gender stereotypes and promoting gender equality. And we follow up with different speakers to spotlight their product achievements, to promote their idea to a wider audience. And uh, the publications are featured with the help of the interactive posts on social media, Facebook and Instagram, where we plug in the articles from the magazine. So... It's a lot of work, but we see that it has its impact and we are happy about the opportunity that, if I can say so, this pandemic gave us as a team to launch the magazine and to try a new way of sharing information with, with the audience and with the community. Do you plan to keep the easy in? We see the, the great response from, from the audience and from the community. So yes, we, we consider of keeping the easy in and we think that this is a great tool to reach more Ukrainians than previously. Now we realize that we need to work with the digital audience as well, that now there are two types of audience, live audience and the digital audience. And we want to reach the digital audience with multiple instruments, including our website, including the e-zine publications, uh, the television, and of course the TED Talks in the classical format. It sounds like it goes, it goes hand in hand with the strategy that you have around who your stakeholders are, not just the people who come to your TEDx events in the room when there are in-person events, but also those who may see the event broadcast online or on TV um, are still able to connect with one another sort of in between events. Exactly. Share with us, what were some of the biggest challenges you and your team faced when trying to keep your community engaged during the pandemic? And how did your team overcome them? It's not only challenging that the audience is digital, as I said, but it's also challenging that the team is digital. And uh, because our team uh, doubled and has grown now from 15 to almost 50 people, it's a challenge and it's an opportunity for us. Um, we have to figure out how, how we can engage and get to know each other better and stay connected, though connected online. And uh, kudos to TEDxGive uh, lead who does his best 
to keep the team engaged because this is very important, especially considering that many of us haven't seen uh, each other in person to date. But we understand that it's a part of new reality. Uh, for instance, we provided information about female TEDx Kiev speakers for the Wikipedia editors in Ukraine within the framework of the Wikigap campaign. Uh, this campaign is called to close the gender gap online, and it is conducted annually in many countries, including Ukraine. So we wanted to make sure that uh, through this initiative, we can spotlight uh, TEDx Kiev speakers on Ukrainian Wikipedia. Wow, that sounds amazing. Um, tell us a little bit more. How does it work? It worked perfectly well. We um, collected all, all the necessary information and, uh, as I said, provided it to the Wikipedia editors. And um, I personally encourage uh, encourage other teams to consider this approach and, and to look for opportunities for these meaningful cooperations with other volunteers and with other meaningful initiatives to make even greater change. Other events have shared with us that it's sometimes a challenge to engage younger people in their event, whether it's, you know, in their audience or in their kind of volunteer team. But it seems that your event is very cool and has a strong and invested community of young people. How how do you do it? We know that ideas matter, but at the same time, we believe that experience matters too. So we try to apply innovative and progressive approaches to all our events. For instance, we are mindful of waste generation during the events. And we started with the reduction of the number of plastic bottles and disposable cups by using the water coolers and glasses and encouraging participants to bring their reusable cups and, and water bottles and in, even travel with them, by the way. We try to use local products. Uh, we keep in mind the preferences of our guests, of our audience. And um, we provide options for vegans, for instance, and so apart from the content, we have a sub-team of people responsible for the experience of our guests because we consider all our in-person events to be the festival of ideas. And it's not only about the stage. Um, it's always something incredible, to be honest. I mean, this festival of ideas, which I rarely see in action because of my duties during the event, uh, and now when, when I say it, it brings me back to these good old times. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to get back to normal and to see our speakers, to welcome our guests uh, again here uh, in Kyiv. We all are so ready to get back to normal. <laughs> Hopefully that will be sooner than later. Tell us, what brings you the most joy when thinking about the community you work with? I think it's people, uh, all amazing people with different stories and with different backgrounds and uh, their their commitments and their contribution because this is a, a voluntary project and uh, people devote their time, their energy, their efforts to make all this happen and to make sure that we can be closer to this desirable future we all want to, to be in. And of course, the audience with their feedback because they always care they care about the content, they care about the products, as I said, they care about everything. And I think that while people care, we can do a lot of things together and we can all be a source of the, of the change, of any change. 
Thank you so much, Julia, for being with us today. And thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you very much for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Solving for X. Let's continue the conversation on the TEDx Hub, where you'll find additional resources on this topic. You can also share your insights or ask questions. This episode was produced with love by Bianca de Jesus, recorded and edited by Mickey Kapper, and researched by Elia Raza. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Solving for X channel wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, or of course on the TEDx Hub. Thank you for listening to Solving for X and see you next time.